Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon on the post office and mail-in voting, health officials cautioning parents to be on the lookout for warning signs of AFM, and a few golden gophers share their favorite memories of the great Minnesota get-together. But first... Presidential politics and outrage over racial injustice mixed together in Minnesota and across the country on this week of the Republican National Convention, and MNN's Bill Werner files this report. I am proud to give all 39 Minnesota delegates to the greatest president ever. Republicans opening their 2020 National Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of the first orders of business renominating as their candidate, President Donald Trump. Our farmers are doing well because I got China to give them $28 billion because they were targeted by China. I got the farmers $28 billion, 16 and 12. Well, he's clearly not talking to farmers here in Minnesota because uh, there's no evidence of that. You can travel around this uh, state and see what's happened to many of our uh, towns in greater Minnesota. DFL Party Chairman Ken Martin, the opening night of Republicans' convention featured a video at the White House with the president hosting a small group of frontline workers where this nursing supervisor told him... It takes a true leader to be able to ignore all that stuff and do what is right and... You really do show that positive spirit to us. And as nurses, I appreciate that. Well, I'm for the nurses. I'm for the doctors. I'm for everybody. We just have to make this China virus go away, and it's happening. Democrats responded Trump did not acknowledge the seriousness of COVID until it took hold, leaving states to fend for themselves. There's no amount of production that's going to be able to paper over uh, his failures and his broken promises that he made to Minnesotans. Wabasha County Republicans Chair Beverly Snow said about Democrat Joe Biden's pledge of a national mask mandate. Tell me that wearing a mask is a good idea. When I go into a store, I'd probably put one on. But mandating it, I have a real problem with it. At the convention, President Trump said the federal government helps states with billions of dollars in COVID equipment. Democratic National Convention Delegate Jackie Craig responded, a lot of the governors have been doing the heavy lifting. We're all hurting under covid and quite frankly, under the president uh, and his incompetence. The president blasted Democratic opponent Joe Biden's comments on COVID. He said, oh, I shut it down. Oh, I shut it down. Like, it's easy. Shut it down. We did the exact right thing. We shut it down, then we reopened, and that's what we're doing now. We're well into it. Can't say that you succeeded on the economy when we're in one of our worst economic meltdowns. DFL Chair Martin. Eveleth Mayor Bob Vasalovich turned some political heads on night two of the Republican National Convention, saying as a lifelong Democrat, he is supporting President Trump. Vasalovich said both parties allowed the U.S. to be ripped off by trading partners, especially China. And what did so-called leaders like Joe Biden do? Nothing. We lost thousands of jobs. We lost a generation of young people who had to leave the Iron Range to find a livelihood. Four years later, the Iron Range is roaring back to life, and we have one man to thank, President Donald Trump. DFL Party Chair Martin says he finds such a statement bizarre. Donald Trump said he was going to bring jobs back to the region, and that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. There has been no job creation on the Iron Range. And in the middle of the Republican National Convention, in Kenosha, neighboring Wisconsin... 
29-year-old Jacob Blake, a black man, shot by police two months after George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. Anger boiled over in that southeastern Wisconsin community with looting, riots, burning buildings, and more shootings. We are, we are demanding that the prosecutor arrest the officer who shot Der- Jacob Blake, and we also are asking that these officers who violated the policies and their training be terminated immediately. And Minneapolis was not spared from this latest round of violence. Wednesday evening, as police closed in, a black man who was a suspect in a fatal shooting at a downtown parking ramp shot himself in the head on the Nicollet Mall in full view of passersby. Authorities immediately released the video showing it was a suicide. But rumors flew that police had shot the suspect, and that night brought smashed windows, looting, riots, and reports of shots fired in downtown Minneapolis and surrounding neighborhoods. Vice President Mike Pence said at the Republican National Convention, The violence must stop, whether in Minneapolis, Portland, or Kenosha. Too many heroes have died defending our freedom to see Americans strike each other down. We will have law and order. Back in Minnesota, Governor Tim Walz appealing for calm and called out the National Guard to quell the riots. To come together and fix those issues, they're not going to be fixed with violence or looting target. They're not going to be they're not going to be fixed in our mental health crisis. It's not going to be fixed by spreading false rumors about a situation that was unfolding. I profoundly accept this nomination for President of the United States. The unrest in Minneapolis and Kenosha did not escape the notice of President Trump as he wrapped up the Republican National Convention. In the strongest possible terms, the Republican Party condemns the rioting, looting, arson, and violence we have seen in Democrat-run cities all like Kenosha, Minneapolis, Portland, Chicago, and New York, and many others, Democrat-run. I am simply not going to allow us to backslide. I am not going to allow a few folks to disrupt what is an important conversation and movements towards um, to reforms that need to happen. Governor Tim Walls. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. As we head toward the November election, the U.S. Postal Service is under scrutiny as questions and concerns over delivery service and mail-in voting continue to play out in Minnesota and across the country. I recently spoke with Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon about this important topic. Well, it's particularly important this year because in Minnesota we're set to shatter all records by a mile for people choosing to vote by mail. So we want to make sure that the mail service can be as speedy as possible. It's not that we don't have workarounds. We do. I sounded a note of optimism. I think the glass is half full and people should uh, lean into uh, voting from home and using the mail this year. But uh, two things can be true at once. You know, postal workers, the letter carriers and the postal service workers, um, they can overcome any obstacle. They'd rather do things the easy way than the hard way. But even if we have to do things the hard way, we're going to get it done in Minnesota, and no one is going to stand in the way of democracy. So I'm urging people uh, to go full steam ahead with voting from home and using the mail or dropping off their ballot in person, which you can always do. You don't have to use the mail to get it back. But either way, what's happening at the USPS is disturbing. It's unacceptable. It needs to be fully reversed. But, but... Nothing is going to stand in the way of democracy in Minnesota. People are hearing conflicting reports. So uh, as you're urging folks to vote by mail, I'm wondering what you would tell people that are maybe a little bit leery of doing that or think that it's unsafe. What would your message to them be? Uh, a couple things. First, this year and this year only, um, by court order, having to do with a settlement agreement that my office negotiated, this year only, Minnesotans will have an extra cushion built into the law. For 2020, they may postmark their ballots as late as Election Day, November 3rd, as long as it also arrives by November 10th. If all things are true, then the ballot will be counted. That is unprecedented in Minnesota. That builds in an automatic seven-day mail cushion for everyone, even procrastinators, even who, people who send it at the last possible moment, there will still be a built-in seven-day cushion. Now, for those who think seven days might not be enough to get their ballot from point A to point B, then I would urge them not to wait until Election Day, but to send it earlier, perhaps the Monday before, perhaps the Saturday before, or the Friday before. But we have that built-in cushion. And then I would tell folks as well that they can always hand-deliver that ballot. They don't need to make use of the mail or have someone they know and trust hand deliver the ballot for them to the address listed on the envelope. And finally, to all your listeners, uh, just because you send something in the mail, whether it's a ballot or anything else, uh, well, uh, for a ballot in particular, um, you don't have to just hope and pray that it gets there on time. When it comes to ballots, all Minnesota voters can go to our website, which is mnvotes.org, and they can input their information and know with certainty whether their ballot has arrived and when it arrived. So there's no guessing. There's no hoping and praying. When it comes to ballot, we have a ballot tracker feature where all Minnesotans can check and see whether and when the ballot has arrived. If we look at the August primary that just happened a couple weeks ago as a kind of a test run to the general election, how did Minnesota do in terms of mail-in voting with regard to having any issues with sending in votes? It went extremely well, and that was a great dress rehearsal for the general election. It went very, very well. We had a very low number and percentage of rejected absentee ballots, and more time, more often than not, the reason for rejection didn't have anything to do with uh, lateness. It had to do with other defects. Um, in the ballot. So 
if the primary is in any indication, Minnesotans get it. They understand the deadlines, they understand what they need to do, and they're going to do it in full force in November. It seems like this has become a, a particularly partisan issue, and I'm wondering if I can get your thoughts on that. Uh, is it a partisan issue? Absolutely not. The U.S. Postal Service is one of the most trusted and admired institutions in the federal government, and it has wide support on both sides of the aisle. This never has been, nor should it now be, a partisan issue. We want mail to get as quickly as possible from point A to point B. That takes time. That takes energy. That takes resources that the federal government ought to invest. So no one in any way, shape, or form should be in a position of trying to slow down the post office. And we can't have that. That's why uh, the actions taken by Commissioner, or rather the Postmaster General DeJoy, uh, shouldn't just be stopped, shouldn't just be postponed, as he has pledged to do. They should be reversed um, so that we can uh, untangle from uh, the current difficulties. Uh, I've spoke with you recently about getting uh, folks to apply to become election judges and poll workers. Is that something that you're still looking for, and where are we with regard to that? Yes, Uh, we're cautiously optimistic about that, Um, and we think that uh, we're working constantly with counties and cities, with city clerks, with county auditors to get folks to sign up. And if anyone's interested in being an election judge... They can, um, they can uh, go to mnvotes.org and find out more and fill out an interest form. Thank you to my guest, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The CDC is warning parents to be on the lookout for symptoms of a rare disease known as AFM. Reporter J.W. Cox has more. Scott, Health Partners pediatrician Dr. Judy Wiltsey says it's important to sound the alarm about any disease that could impact children, but added this should be done calmly with level-headed concern and the facts. I don't have any specific numbers in front of me, but we're looking in, like, within the United States, we're looking in the hundreds. So if you're comparing this to COVID, we're looking on a very, very different scale. So this is quite rare. It's still super, something super important to, to be mindful of. So, Doctor, what are the indications that even with the rarity of the disease, an uptick in AFM is expected this year? We've really started seeing more reports of AFM again starting in about 2004. 14. And when you trend it, it really comes every two years. So we saw a spike in 2014, 2016, 2018. And so now 2020, end of summer into early and late fall is expected to have a big spike as well. And if you look at the trends from 2014 through 16 and 18, it sort of seems to be increasing. So the concern is that this year would be an even bigger year than we've seen in the past. With those trends in mind, what should parents know in order to stay vigilant when it comes to keeping an eye on their own kids? Typically, AFM is preceded with some sort of viral illness. The majority of the time it's preceded with a respiratory illness, so cough, runny nose, fever. But sometimes it can be a GI illness, like vomiting and diarrhea. Um, Typically, as that's improving, then kids will present with weakness, Um, and this can be super variable in presentation. So it can be limbs, their face, breathing. 
sometimes that weakness is preceded by um, pain, either in the specific limb or in the neck and the back. Um, so I think that for parents, anytime they're seeing something that seems out of the normal from their kids, uh, different complaints, um, I have a bad headache, my arm feels funny, I can't use my hand, my neck really hurts. I think it's really important to take those complaints seriously, um, especially in the time of COVID when a lot of people are worried about bringing their kids to medical attention because um, this can progress very quickly. Um, and it's important that we realize what's going on as soon as possible. How should parents respond if they do notice something off and are concerned it could be a symptom of a larger problem? I mean, I think it depends on the severity of the presentation. I would say if, if a child's presenting with any sort of weakness, I think it, it makes the most sense for them to just bring their child in right away, whether that be an urgent care, an ER, or an immediate visit to their pediatrician. If their child has had a viral illness and maybe has just some symptoms that they're not sure about, um, but they don't know if they should be concerned about it, the majority of, of clinical systems are doing virtual visits currently, and I think that reaching out to their providers and doing a video visit and just getting more information about what next steps to take can be really helpful as well. Is AFM something that doctors and health providers will be on the lookout for even more as they see and treat children this summer and fall? I hope so. Um, I think that we've all struggled a little bit in the last several months with the pandemic because our minds have been clouded with this this new disease with COVID. And, and interestingly, AFM isn't very well understood either. Um, we are pretty sure it has a link to a viral infection. Um, one of the most common ones that's seen is, is enterovirus, um, a specific strain of the enterovirus. Um, but I think it's important to remind physicians as well that this is something that we really need to remember and we need to think about this late summer and fall and even into the early winter. So what if a child is diagnosed with AFM? What is the prognosis and what is the treatment? Typically, patients that have a diagnosis are going to be hospitalized for a period of time. Because there is the risk of it going to the respiratory system, they're going to be watched very closely, um, somewhere where we can intervene and help them breathe if need be. Um, treatment, unfortunately, is not super well understood at this point and is really geared towards inflammation with things like um, IVIG or intravenous immunoglobulin and things like plasmapheresis, so just sort of changing the types of antibodies that are in your system. Um, prognosis varies a ton from kid to kid, so some kids get back to completely normal functioning and some kids um, may end up in a wheelchair. Um, there is um, a lot to be said about rehabilitation after somebody is affected with AFM, um, and there is you know, some very interesting things that we can do nowadays as opposed to when we were treating polio in the 50s um, with things like nerve transplants and different things like that. Wiltsy says most commonly AFM impacts four- and five-year-olds, and the majority of cases are in people under the age of 18. But in rare cases, it can possibly infect young adults. Bottom line message for Wiltsy, 
even in this time of COVID concerns, if something doesn't seem right with your child, find a way to talk with your doctor. Scott, back to you. Thank you for that report, JW. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Quitting smoking or vaping can be difficult, and it can be even harder during times like these when stress is often higher. Finding healthy ways to manage that stress without nicotine is important. For Minnesota residents who are ready to quit smoking, vaping, or using smokeless tobacco, Quit Partner is ready to help. Through a family of free programs, Quit Partner offers free support like one-on-one coaching, emails and texts, educational materials, and Quit medications like patches, gum, and lozenges delivered by mail. In fact, a mix of Quit coaching and Quit medications can help double a person's chances of quitting. No matter what support a person would like to try through Quit Partner, it's always judgment-free. And now that Minnesota has raised the legal sales age for tobacco to 21, residents may be looking for quitting resources now more than ever. To learn more, visit quitpartnermn.com or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As we all know, the Minnesota State Fair should be underway. Instead, it's been canceled this year due to the health pandemic, leaving many wishing they were there. One of the neat traditions of the State Fair has been the Golden Gopher athletic teams being featured on stage at the U of M building on the fairgrounds throughout the event. Golden Gopher football coach P.J. Fleck, quarterback Tanner Morgan, and running back Muhammad Ibrahim joined MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm recently to discuss how much they're missing the chance to be at the fair interacting with fans. You know, we just are missing some Sweet Martha's cookies right now. If we had those, it would make it a little bit better. I mean, it's not perfect, but at least it'd make it a little bit better and throw in some of those fried olives and we'd be okay. But we're going to have to make do with what we have. But, um, you know, as I'm staring out my window looking towards the state fair, we do miss the smells that are going on right now. Yeah, there is uh, something cool about it, and it seems like there are some people just don't like the fair, the crowds, you know, the hustle and bustle, and then there are others. I I personally enjoy it. I mean, I'm not even from Minnesota, but I started going to that fair when I was 10 years old back in the day because my dad sold farm products and had a had a uh, booth on Machinery Hill. So I'm you know a young guy driving up from my home state, and we we'd spend Labor Day weekend at the fair. So I've loved it for a long time. But there's something special when you can bring a football team out and interact with fans, and the band marches down you know one of those uh, streets in front of all those booths and plays the rouser and um, when, when you were first uh, on the job and they said hey bring the whole team to the state fair I'm wondering what your initial reaction was like uh, not knowing probably for sure what it meant when you talk about a state fair here in Minnesota yeah I didn't really know much about it uh, I, I grew up going to the Kane County Fair in Illinois and the Illinois State Fair and things like that it's the Sugar Grove Corn Boil was a fair that, you know, I had to chuck corn and do all that stuff for free because my dad was kind of on the board for it when I was growing up and everybody else getting paid. And I mean, Dad, why don't I get paid? Because he said, this is going to teach you a lifelong lesson. So I had a lot of those answers growing up. So when people said, you know, bring your team to the state fair, I was like, how good can the state fair be? I mean, it's a fair, right? I mean, and then we heard from everybody how good it was and then we actually went for the first year and once you go to the minnesota state fair it changes your life uh it's something you put on your calendar every year we take our own children to it our players look forward to it so much it's one of the training camp traditions now that we have 
Uh, it brings our whole state together. Everybody's excited for football season. Our players get a chance to interact with all of our fans in a very informal setting away from football. They get to see them without their helmets. And you get to experience the best part about what, what Minnesota has to offer from the food to the agriculture to the animals uh, to, to what makes Minnesota elite. Yeah, we're sure missing it this year, that's for sure. And uh, two of the two guys we have here uh, with us on the uh, virtual uh, stage here for the State Fair are guys who are also not from Minnesota, who you recruited to be here uh, to be part of the football program, who are now uh, also part of the State Fair. So, Tanner, let me start with you, um, and I'll ask you the same question I just asked your head coach about when the uh, coaching staff came up and said, hey, we're all getting on the bus and going out to the State Fair. Uh, As a guy growing up in the uh, Cincinnati area in the south part of that in Kentucky, what did you think when you heard Minnesota State Fair? And then how, how did that perception potentially change once you actually have now attended a few? Well, I mean, I think personally I was kind of like coach. State Fair, you think of it as just, you know, a, a normal, regular State Fair. But once, once uh, kind of the coaching staff and, and the guys who are from Minnesota started talking about how big of a, of a thing it was here in the state of Minnesota, I think everybody was really excited to go. And I think now, obviously this year was a little different, but every year we have training camp and coach takes us there it's always an elite opportunity for us to get out experience uh an elite event that's that happens in the state of minnesota and it's it's really fun i know all the guys enjoy going and we all love uh, getting the sweet marthas the, the turkey leg or playing some games and and just being out and uh, interacting with each other and with uh the people of minnesota as well now, when you come or went to the fair, did you take part in the midway games, try to win some stuffed animals or go on the bungee jump or the slide or anything like that? Uh, yeah, we, 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 were, we were playing some games. There was a lot of money lost, we'll, <laughs> we'll say that. Um, a lot of guys think they can hoop um, but don't realize uh, that shooting, shooting a basketball at the state fair is a lot different than playing real live basketball. And, you know, the, the ring toss games, I saw a lot of guys carry around big teddy bears and, and things like that. But I'll say this, there was a lot of – a lot of that, that $25 per diem was lost on games, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, Mo Ibrahim running back for the Gophers from the state of Maryland, um, where uh, apparently I've heard before that that state's famous for crab cakes and football. Minnesota, of course, famous for uh, the state fair. What was your impression the first time you walked down Dan Patch Boulevard, which is one of the main drags at the state fair? So at first I didn't know what to expect, uh, but then I got around Boye and Blaze, and they're used to the whole uh, – everything so they took me to their favorite spots uh they even showed me around to the animals and got me around the pigs the horses and stuff like that so that was kind of unique um I've never been around the pig uh, you know because I'm Muslim so uh (laughs) around there it was just kind of awesome just seeing the whole atmosphere and seeing uh eating the good food playing basketball Uh, I lost I lost all my money on the basketball trying to get that teddy bear for my uh for my room the problem with those uh, basketball games is the hoop is smaller than the ball itself, right? It's hard to make a shot. Yeah, they're so. shaped like they're shaped like that, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's not it's not easy to win. Uh, Mo, what what was your favorite food that your Minnesota pals uh, took you uh, to uh, so far here in your times uh, at the fair? Um, so the Martha cookies are the best cookies. So you get that out the way. The most interesting food I had was the alligator. The fried alligator. Uh, DJ Gordon made me go get one of those. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. The cookies are amazing. Funnel cakes, too. That's go for running back Muhammad Ibrahim, quarterback Tanner Morgan, and head coach PJ Fleck with Eminem's Mike Grimm. 
That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.